and see what it says. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse six. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we did not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now, those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. And that's where I want to focus in, but I want to close the, the, the book out with his benediction at the end. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle. So I write the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The church in Thessalonica, they had some brethren who were refusing to work. They were leeching off of the ones who were working, causing tension and problems among the Christians. These non-working brethren, Paul, called disorderly or unruly. The Greek word, and it's an interesting word, it carries this thought of being out of step. It's this thought of a soldier uh, as everybody's in line, but one soldier is not in line with the rest. What caused this disorderly, uh, what caused these disorderly brethren to become disorderly? They stopped following the path. They had a defiant attitude and were deliberately disregarding the traditions that they had received from the apostle Paul. They were not working. You remember, we studied this before. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses 11 and 12. Paul says that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. So instead of working like all the rest of the brethren, these unruly or these disorderly ones became busy, but not the way they needed to be. Look at what verse 11 says, and really this is the thrust for the whole conversation. He says, for we hear that there are some who walk among you who are uh, in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. 
You ever heard of the phrase, idle hands are the devil's workshop and idle lips are his mouthpiece? A busybody, it means to busy oneself into trifling, needless, and useless matters. Paul says that he heard that there were some in the brethren that were walking disorderly and not walking at all except to be a busybody. But why is Paul so serious about dealing with the unruly? Why is Paul so serious about dealing with the disorderly brethren? Why does he say in verse 6 to withdraw or to, to withdraw means to abstain from associating with? Why did Paul say to withdraw or abstain from associating with every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the traditions which they had received from Paul? Why in verse 13 does he say, if anyone doesn't obey the words of this epistle, to take note of them, to keep away from them so he'll be ashamed? Why is Paul pushing so hard for these brethren to watch for these things? What can be challenging to the world and people in the world think, why in the world would this even be a discussion that you was talking about? You know how the world thinks, brethren, don't we? Hey, you do you and I'll do me and it'll all work out, right? Hey, I'll just do what I want to do and I'll feel how I want to feel and you can feel how you want to feel and then it'll all work out. What can we be challenged with though as children of God from this area of scripture? I want us to consider two things and then the lesson will be yours. The first thing is a question. What's the danger in associating with the disorderly? Now remember what we're talking about here. This is sad for me to say. We're talking about disorderly people who should know better. We're talking about Christians. How important is it uh, for us to follow Jesus? When we think about our spiritual walk, when we think about our lives as Christians, how important do we take following Jesus? If the Bible tells us things to do and then we don't do them, let's just be honest. We think that we're better than him. Amen? Let's just be honest. If we hear what to do and we decide that we're not going to do it, the honest, the true thought is that we think that we can do it better. And if a disciple of Jesus begins to pick and choose what to follow, how godly are those decisions going to be of that person? Have you ever thought about that? No wonder in the context, no wonder Paul addresses this so severely because the ones not working, the ones who weren't doing anything, they became professionals. They became professional busybodies. They had all kinds of time 
to snoop into needless and useless matters. But when it came to doing what they were commanded to do, they ain't had time. Now, I want to ask you guys just a question real quick. Can I preach for just a second to you? Can I preach to you? Is that all right? It don't matter because I'm already up here. So here we go. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 21. Y'all ready? Folly, foolishness is joy to him who is destitute. Destitute uh, means to be in need of. So, so watch what it says. Folly or foolishness is joy to him who is in need of discernment. Now discernment means wisdom. Now let me put this thought together. Foolishness, foolish ways of living is joy to him who is in need of wisdom. But a man of understanding walks uprightly. When I let the, now watch what is, what happens here. When I let the words of God leave me and I begin to do it how I want to live and how I want to do it, folly or foolishness becomes joyful to me. Wow. Being a busybody now becomes Something I enjoy. Doesn't it feel good though to sit back and just pick apart everybody else's stuff? <laughs> Doesn't that feel good? To make yourself feel better, you can sit back and really just think about the congregation and think about the families and think about the stuff that they got going on. Isn't it great to just be able to sit back and say, well, at least I ain't got that going on. At least that's not a part of my life. Man, I feel sorry for them because of what they've put themselves into. We don't have to go very far in the workplace to hear that, do we? But here's the sad thought. This is the sad thought. How far do we have to go to hear it in the congregation? Will we hear it? Let me bring it home even more. Will we hear it today at the lunch table? And then to make it even worse, this virus, it begins to move from one person to the next. Then there's a group of people in the congregation whose joy is folly, whose joy is foolishness. So what becomes of the church if it's not dealt with? You see where Paul's at? Paul's not going to be around these brethren too much longer. So what does he do? He makes some commands. He puts a hedge of protection around the body of Christ so that they can be successful. Here's the reality, brethren. Do not be deceived, okay? Evil company corrupts good habits. Can I be real with you? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, don't be deceived, don't be fooled, don't be tricked. Evil company will corrupt you. 
Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 6. He says, you know, he gets on the boat. I talked about this uh, maybe last Wednesday or the Wednesday before. They forgot the bread. And you remember Jesus gets on the boat. He's trying to teach him a lesson. And he says, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What's he talking about? Well, Paul says it like this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. A little leaven does something. It leavens the whole lump, don't it? You see what happened with, two, with three scriptures in different areas of the word of God? It all combines into one thought. When we think about our lives and we think about what's the problem with associating with disorderly brethren, if we listen, it corrupts us. Oh, Matt, you preaching hard, man. Oh, Matt, you're preaching hard. If we listen, we'll be corrupted. And then we'll corrupt someone else. And then if it's not dealt with, the corruption becomes all around the congregation. And then it spreads like this stuff. Y'all know about this stuff? Just go towards Scott and uh, Mr. Eddie and, and Miss Eileen's house and, and look to the right, right before you come by the, the Seventh-day Adventist church right there. You can see a whole bunch of kudzu right there. If you keep it trimmed up, yeah, you, you, you can keep it where it needs to be. But boy, if you don't, you know what's going to happen to it? It's about to take you over. Why did Paul say in verse six, we command you brethren in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you would draw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he receives from us. Why did he say that? Why did he bring such a harsh point up? Because he did not want this to happen. What's the problem with associating with disorderly and unruly brethren? Evil company corrupts good habits. Amen? Are you preaching too hard, Matt? You're preaching too hard. Do we want to be checked into God's family or not? Because the flip side of this is awesome. See, what we always want to do is we always want to take up for the one that's not doing the right thing. And I'm not saying to not take up for him. But what I am saying is truth is truth. It cannot be corrupted or we will be a people who is in error. We don't want to be that kind of people, do we? Look at what verse 13 says. It says, but as for you, brethren... Do not grow weary in doing good. We can't let others dictate which way we should go. Amen. So what we have to do with the word of God is what it tells us to do. We have to do it, period. 
Not to the right, not to the left, not justify it, not make it right on this or this. What it says, we have to take it for what it says. And sometimes that's sad in our lives if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Amen? But if I'm going to not grow weary in doing good, here's what I am going to do. I'm going to follow the path. Now watch what happens. Verse 13 says, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. What happens when we follow the path? And this pertains really to any of God's truths. This pertains to any of the commandments that God gives us. If we follow the path, what we become is an example. Look at verses seven and nine. Paul says, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but work with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we did not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. First John chapter three, verse one, it says, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And you know what that next part of that verse says? Often I don't use it a lot, but, but maybe we don't even think about what it says. It talks about this thought of therefore the world does not know us because it didn't know him. Brethren, the world don't understand why we do what we do, but we do. We do. We understand why we're held accountable. We understand what it means when Jesus says in Luke chapter nine, verse 23, if anybody wants to follow me, the first thing that you got to do is deny yourself. We understand that. We understand that we're faced with sin. We understand. You want to know what? Here's the deal. If we want to just check the box, that's what we're going to do. And what a scary thing to stand in front of the Lord when he says, I gave you all these opportunities to go and change the world, to change people around you. And you decided that it just wasn't good enough. This treasure, this gift that I gave you, I washed all your sins away. And it just wasn't good enough for you to live for me with everything that you got. The problem is when we get lukewarm Christianity, it's attractive. Man, lukewarm Christianity don't make, it don't have to do nothing. But if I follow the path, see, I hold myself accountable. And what happens is just like Eric said, I become an example to others. 
You remember what he says in First, Thess First Thessalonians chapter four. You remember at the end of it, it says that you may walk properly toward those who are outside. See, I'm on a mission. God's given me what I need to do. I'm, I'm going to live a quiet life. I'm going to mind my own business. I'm going to take care of my stuff. And I'm going to work with my hands. I'm going to do the things that I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to walk properly towards those who are outside. I'm going to be very respectful. And I'm going to say, you know what? Even though you did me wrong, it's okay. It's okay. And then he ends with the thought that you may lack nothing. You remember this one, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Paul says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What kind of example are we to our families? You know, when we think about our lives and we do look at other people and they are this example the way that they treat their family, the way that they take care of the things around the house. What an encouragement it is, amen? What an encouragement it is to see people, maybe not with all this money, but maybe just working and paying their bills and doing the things that they do, giving to the church, and God just continues to bless them. I have no stories in this place right now where people have gone from very little to God blessing them. And I say, hallelujah. I say God was in that all the way. Think about this, what Jesus says, and I want to flip this thought on the other side. The truth is the same. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? But look at what Jesus says, Matthew 13, 33. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is, uh, the kingdom of heaven is uh, like leaven which a woman took and hid three measures of meal till it was all leavened. What happens when we do what God says? What happens when we become the example that God wants us to be? It does become contagious. Uh, amen? He said it. If we follow the path, we are an example. If we follow the path, we're also something else. We're aware. See, you remember what he says in verse 14. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person. I see what's happening. He says, note that person, don't keep company with him so he may be ashamed. This is a hard one. This is the one right here. You remember what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 and 22? Here's the reality of it all. Test all things and hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Hey, man, I love you as a brother, man, but what in the world you got going on? Well, we can't do that. Now, why am I wrong for saying that? Am I? Am I wrong for telling a brother or a sister in Christ that we shouldn't be doing that? That shouldn't be something that we should be a part of. And because of that, I just can't do it. Am I wrong for saying that? Am I the bad guy for that? 
What happens so many times, brethren, if somebody is called out on their sin that is really sin, what a, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm out. But Paul said that if we're going to follow the path, we're going to be aware. Because see, there's something that develops in this thought. See, I note that person because something's about to come about. I'm about to do something for that person. I'm about to do something to attack this situation that they're dealing with. But I note them and I don't keep company with them. I want them to feel this distance. I want them to feel that there's a, a, a difference in our relationship. Because when they ask me, there's going to be a time for a blessing to come. I got it out here on the board and it's so true. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, evil wants to portray the good guy as the bad guy. See, Satan wants to portray the good things that God sets up the way that he handles his people as being something that's silly, crazy. And I can't believe it's cultish, man. Y'all like a cult, man. If I follow the path, then I'm an example. If I follow the path, then I'm aware. If I follow the path, then I admonish those in error. And look at what he says, as a brother. Here it is. Here's the whole point pulled together. The word admonish means to put in somebody's mind. It's to warn somebody. It's to give caution to somebody. You remember what Paul said in Galatians chapter one, I mean, chapter six, verses one and three. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness Considering yourself least, you also be tempted. And then he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, you tricking yourself, man. You tricking yourself. Why do I want to talk to somebody who is a brother who's in sin? Yeah, I want to go talk to the world. Yeah, I want to go tell them what's going on. But why do I want to talk to a brother about it? Because they put themselves in a dangerous situation. And now the temptation for the rest of the brethren becomes attractive. If my faith isn't where it needs to be at, do we see the connection? Do we see what's happening? Do we see what, or am I just up here yelling for nothing? I'm pleading with y'all today. I'm not saying disfellowship every single person that messes up. That's not what he's talking about. These are disorderly and unruly people who say I'm rejecting what God says and I'm gonna do it however I want. What you gonna do about it? But here's the beauty of everything. And I want to close with these thoughts. I want to encourage you with these thoughts. James chapter five, verses 19 and 20. 
Brethren. Brethren. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way. You ready for the point? For Paul's tough love? You want to know why he set this criteria up? To watch and let the person be embarrassed? For this reason, to save a soul. from death and cover a multitude of sins. How much do we care about a soul, brethren? Have we gotten so wrapped up in our lives that we forgot what the greatest commands are? To love the Lord God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind, and then love somebody else? If we want to change the world, we got to do it like the ants, <laughs> like we talked about in class today. Extremely, exceedingly wise. Because you know what? When they had a problem and they can't take, they can't lift that big old stick that's this big, when they can't pick it up by themselves, seven or eight come along and pick it right up and they just keep on going. I'll help you out. If you're in sin, if you're struggling, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, I care about you. I've noted that. I've got it in my mind and now I begin to pray for it. And I'm looking for the opportunity that I can talk to you and try to help you. Sometimes that takes time. Don't grow weary in doing good. Because you know what? What you sow, you're also going to reap. Why don't we reap fruits of righteousness? Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you are walking disorderly or unruly in God's eyes. Make that right today. Ask for forgiveness. Repent. Turn from that way. Turn towards God and watch what he can do for your life. But maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here today and you're not a child of God. I want to read something to you, Christian, uh, I'm friend. If you want to become a Christian, I want to show you why it's so awesome. Romans chapter five, verse six says this. When we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Friend, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want you to hear these words. This comes from Romans chapter five. This is Paul talking. And he says, for scarcely it is hard for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. I might not die for a good man, but an extremely good guy, I might step in front and take that bullet, maybe. But it's gotta be a really good guy now. I'm not going to step in front and take a bullet for somebody who's I. I got to be with somebody who's really extremely good and then I'll step in front of them. 
But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were enemies of the cross, Jesus died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we will rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Today is the day that you can be reconciled to God and have a relationship with him and be called his child, forgiven of your sins. You do it by obedience to the gospel. Believing who Jesus is, believing that he came to this earth, that he died and that he was resurrected. You do it by saying, you know what? The way I'm living ain't right. I got to turn from that. I got to turn towards God and I want to live for him. I do it by confessing his name, saying, you know what? I'm ready to serve him because I believe that he is the son of God. And you do it by being baptized in water. You go in old and you come out brand new. And you do it by living a life faithful to him where one day he says, if you're faithful to me, I'll give you a crown of life. What a blessing. If you need prayers, if you need to be saved, whatever it is, please come right now. Together we stand and as we sing.